Okay. Hey, kids, can I tell y'all something? One time, okay, it wasn't one time. It was a lot of times when I was a kid, especially when I was about 12 or 13. Anybody around that age? No? Maybe it was just me. Okay. I felt like I kept getting in trouble. No matter what I did, I got in trouble. And you know what I thought in my head? I thought, I'm trying so hard. I don't want to break the rules, but I keep messing up. And you know what I, my biggest problem? I couldn't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> my mom would always say, Aaron, you always have to have the last word. And I'm like, because what I have to say is important, okay? Or I'd be disrespectful. And I remember thinking, why do I keep doing that? I don't want to do it. And then we would go to camp over the summer and somebody would preach, honor your father and mother. And I would think, okay, Jesus, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to honor my parents and I'm not going to mess up. You want to know how long that lasted? Maybe an hour. Because I came home tired and grumpy and then I'd go, oh man, I did it again. And I remember I told myself out loud, I said, when I am a parent, I'm going to remember how hard it is to be a kid because I'm trying so hard and I keep messing up. And years later, I remember my daughter, Sophia, gave me permission to share this story. She was having a hard time telling the truth. And she said, Mom, I can't wait till I'm an adult when it's easy to do what's right. <laughs> Any adults feel like it's easy to do what's right? Can I tell you kids that adults have the same problem we have? It's hard to do what's right. In fact, the, Paul, in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23, he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what Paul says is your problem isn't that you aren't trying hard enough. Your problem is that you're born with a twisted heart. We're born with hearts that aren't don't really work right because when Adam and Eve messed up, it distanced us from God. And God is our power source that helps us, right? And so I, I meant to have a bigger spring, but all I have is a tiny one. So think about it like this spring. We're born with hearts twisted. And so I found myself as a kid and as an adult thinking, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I just can't seem to do it. And I know what I'm not supposed to do, but I just can't stop not doing what I'm not supposed to do. Has anybody felt that way? Everybody. Everybody. In fact, Paul says it this way. In Romans, we're going to be in Romans chapter 7. Paul puts it like this in chapter 7, verse 14. We know that the law... The rules God has given us is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Just for the sake of today, let's think of sin as the twistedness of our heart, what distances us from the heart of God. Paul says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do, what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. 
For what else, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, growing up, we called this the doo-doo verse, okay? So kids, you can talk, tell your parents we talked about the doo-doo verse. What I want to do, I don't do. And what I shouldn't do, I do, and I'm stuck. Why? Because I'm a slave to sin. And I think if we've lived past five or six years, we have found ourselves being stuck, going, I know what I'm not supposed to do, but I can't figure out how to make myself do the right thing. Now, growing up, and the tradition I grew up in, we were told that this is the normal reality for the Christian life. You're just stuck. And just do your best and work harder and keep trying. You know I'm from Texas, so what we say there is pull up your bootstraps. I don't know what you say in Michigan. Put on your raincoat, I don't know. Pull up your bootstraps and just work harder. But at some point, I couldn't work harder anymore because I had tried and I was done. It's like, forget it. I just hope to get to heaven someday when I die because I have tried hard enough. And if I'm stuck in Romans 7, I don't even know that that's good news. And so one day I found myself at a camp. I was helping with the camp. And the pastor that was preaching, he stood up. His name was Ron Smith. And he said this, Christ's risenness is greater than your fallenness. And I was like, okay. Man, he has a big voice. And then Ron said this. He said, do you think that the power of sin in your life is greater than the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead? Don't you think the power of God could break the power of sin? Now, y'all, I'm not kidding. I had never heard this before in my life. So I was sitting there thinking this can't be true because somebody would have told me. I was in church morning, noon, and night, Monday through Sunday. Somebody would have told me. So I went up to him afterwards and I said, man, what you said is really cool, but haven't you read Romans 7? Don't you know you do what you don't want to do? And so clearly he looked at me and he said, well, Aaron, have you read Romans 8? <laughs> I said, no, I hadn't. And so I went home and I read Romans 6, 7, and 8. And truly I looked at Jason and I said, I've been duped. Nobody told me. I didn't know because you see the book of Romans is a whole book. And so Paul is letting us in on a picture of what it looks like to be stuck in the power of sin. And we're not talking about little s sins, the things that you do that you don't want to do. We're talking about a power that keeps you enchained. But then he tells us some really, really good news. At the end of chapter seven, Paul finds himself in this place. Chapter 7, verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Because at some point when we're trying and trying and trying, we find ourselves face down going, wretched person that I am, can anything save me? Can anything set me free? Paul goes on to say, verse 25, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, we're not going to read the whole of chapter 8, but I want you to get a picture of what Paul is telling us. Paul says this in chapter 8, verses 2 through 4. 
Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by sinful nature, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin and the sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might fully be met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit so paul is saying god gave us this law as a rule of how to live but i couldn't do it and the rule couldn't free me nothing could free me so god becomes flesh and dwells among us and goes to the cross not just to get to heaven someday but so I can live by a different law, by the law of the Spirit. But the good news doesn't end there. Paul goes on to say in verse, chapter 8, verse 10, If Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who lives in you. That's exactly what Ron was preaching that day, wasn't it? If God raised Jesus from the dead, don't you think that his spirit is alive in you and can free you from the dead places in your heart? But this freedom isn't just an outside freedom. This freedom is a relationship. Because you see, I think that the, really the high point of this whole chapter, maybe the high point of the entire book of Romans, if I'm not mistaken, this is the exact middle point of Romans. Paul says this in chapter 8, verse 14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, of daughtership, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if that wasn't good enough news, I don't know what is. The ability for my twisted heart to be a child of God, that's great news. But there's even more to the picture. In verse 17, God says, if we are children, then we are heirs. If we're children, we have an inheritance. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now this gets interesting here. Listen to this part. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Look at this picture Paul is painting. This picture isn't of a God up here looking down here right? And saying, oh man, you really got a problem. I'm going to save you. 
This picture is of God looking down and saying, my greatest desire is to have a relationship with you. But I can't do that if you have a twisted heart. So I'm going to take on flesh. I'm going to walk the earth. I am going to be a God of suffering and endure the cross so that that chains that you're chained in can be free and we can walk together. And if we walk together, then you can be my child. And if you're my child, then you have an inheritance. And a large part of that inheritance is freedom. Not freedom someday in the future, but freedom right here and right now. And I understand that, that we all come to this place and when we hear those words of adoption and God being our father, we bring certain pictures, don't we? But there's a good news about Jesus. He's more than willing to show you what a good father looks like. And he's more than willing. He's been in eternity revealing his character, showing that he can be trusted. He has been before the foundation of the earth pursuing you so that you can be free. He's more than willing to meet us wherever we're at. But I want us to note here that that does not mean that there won't be suffering. Jesus himself suffered. He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, right? Because I have overcome the world. It doesn't mean we won't have suffering. It just means that our suffering won't be because we're in chains to sin. And that's really good news. But I want us to ask a question real fast about what Paul is actually saying and what he is not saying. Is Paul saying, just work harder, Gloria, get it together. We've talked about this. I told you to stop. If you would just get it together, you would be better. Is Paul saying that? No. no. Is Paul saying, how dare you? Don't you know? Paul also isn't saying, it's okay, we all sin. Don't worry about it. We're just going to hang out in our sin together. That's not good news. Hanging out in the muck together isn't good news. The good news is that Paul is saying, you're right, you can't do it. That's the whole point of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says at the end of chapter 7, wretched man that I am, who is going to save me? Because he knows, he knows he can't. But thanks be to God who sent his spirit. And when the spirit of God lives in you, something crazy happens. You just can't stay the same. You just can't. It's like, think of for a minute, if this twisted heart that we've been trying to straighten out in our own power all of a sudden had a giant magnet and it just began to straighten up. And as long as the spring was connected with the magnet, it would be straight. That's the picture of the gift of the Spirit for you and me. We get to connect, to abide in, to be filled with a power source that literally rose Jesus from the dead. And that power source is a one pulsing through our veins saying, I want you to be free. I died for you to be free. And I don't know about you, but if Jesus died for something, I don't want to leave it on the table. We, Jason's birthday is this week, and we had some gifts for him. And I'm a person that if I have a gift for you, I'm going to give it to you early because I get really excited. But can you imagine if I said, Jason, I bought this gift for you, and then he just left it there and never opened it? 
But how many times do I do that with the gift that Jesus has for me? He says, Aaron, I have a gift for you. I have an inheritance for you. And I'm like, thanks, but no thanks. Maybe tomorrow. It's ours right there for the taking. Not because we worked hard, not because we did anything, but because we found ourselves like Paul in a place going, God, I can't, I can't do this. So would you do something in me? Here's the beautiful part of the picture, brothers and sisters. I ask the question, why? Why, Jesus, would you do that? And you know the pulse that runs through every verse of the word of God? It's because I love you. Because I love you so much. And I want you whole. And I want you free because I want to walk with you. But what does it look like in the practical day-to-day world to walk into the beauty of Romans chapter 8? I think we first have to ask ourselves a question, do I know Jesus? Have I accepted Jesus? Is he actually the Lord of my life or is he just like the ticket to heaven someday? Do I actually know him? And have I asked his spirit to fill me? Because God is a kind God and he'll let us walk our own ways and make our own choices, right? And he's just waiting saying, Aaron, would you ask me? Would you ask me? Would you ask me? But then I wonder sometimes, do I actually want to be free? Do I actually want to be free? I remember a dear friend of mine who would argue with me till he was blue in the face. Aaron, God can't free you from sin. There is no way God can't free you from sin. But you know what happened years later? This person encountered the power of the Holy Spirit and you know what they told me? I just wanted to keep on sinning. So I had to believe that God couldn't free me because I didn't want to be free. Do we actually want to be free? But the good news is that even if we don't want to, we can go to God and say, God, I I don't even know that I want to be free, so would you help my want to? Would you help me? I'm not even sure that I can surrender. I'm not even sure that I can make you Lord of my life. So would you, would you help me? And Jesus is like, oh, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you to ask me. And then, brothers and sisters, we find ourselves together in the place of the end of Romans 7 into Romans 8 where we say, God, I'm a pretty wretched person. Would you send your spirit? And then if we find that we've messed up in a day that maybe if you're me, you haven't had as much patience with your kids as you know God has called you to have. And I find myself going and praying and saying, God, I'm gonna need some patience, but I can't do that. So would you send your spirit And would you help me? I can't tell you how many times my kids have joined me when I went to them and said, I'm sorry. I don't think I really showed you the fruit of the Spirit today. Would you pray with me? That I would walk deeper in the fruit of the Spirit and love and joy and kindness and patience because I need God to change my heart. How beautiful that we get to participate in communion today. The picture of the price Jesus paid for us to live, to be set free, to be made whole. But I want us to ask ourselves, where do we find ourselves in the story? 
Where is God inviting us to join in with the gift and the goodness and the fullness? Maybe you're thinking, Aaron, I have been enchained to this one particular thing for my whole life and I just can't be free. And I believe in the core of my being that God is so willing to meet you there. And to bring freedom in a way that our own hard work never ever could. If we're stuck in the twisted loop of a twisted heart, we're really in trouble, right? Our kids are in trouble, our grandkids are in trouble, the world is in trouble. But thanks be to God, thanks be to God that he paid the price for his spirit to be our spirit. And the coolest thing happens, we begin to look different. I remember a friend of ours named Lee, he was addicted to everything you can be addicted to. And one day, Lee met Jesus. And Lee, one day at church, he was leading worship, and he just began weeping. And he said, I used to long for drugs. And he said, but I never longed for drugs as much as I longed for Jesus right at this moment. And Lee's life was never the same, because that's what the Holy Spirit can do. But God has no favored children. Lee wasn't a favorite child. That's his inheritance for you and for me. So will you enter in with me into the time of prayer? God, we just thank you. Words could not thank you enough that you, who without sin, you who didn't have a twisted heart, took on suffering so that we don't have to have a twisted heart. And Father, I just pray, Lord, would you forgive us for the times that we don't want to be free? Would you forgive us for the times that we're just running and dancing in the muck and the ugliness? Would you meet us in that place? And God, if we find ourselves thinking, oh, but there's this one place and I don't know that I can be free, would you show us where you want to meet us and what you want to do? Would you show us, God, if if we have a role to play, but also what you're going to do, because we thank you that you do all the heavy lifting God, if there's lies we have believed like we can't be free or justifications we've put on our twisted hearts, would you reveal them? And would you replace them with your truth? But more than anything, Father, we just ask for the gift of the fullness of your spirit because it is your spirit that testifies with our spirit and it is your spirit that brings an inheritance. We ask for the gift of the fullness of you in exchange for us. And we thank you that we find who we are as we lose ourselves in the gift of you. Lord, we thank you 
for the testimony and the dance of freedom that you paid for us to have. We thank you that we aren't stuck in Romans 7, but we get to live in Romans 8. May it be true for us. May it be true for our kids and grandkids. And we just ask, Father, that as people see us and as they see and smell the aroma of freedom, that it would be true for our neighbors as well and our coworkers and the other students at school. Not because we did anything, but because we live surrendered to you. In the powerful name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to the glory of the Father we pray. Amen.